Why did the UU cross the road by David Blanchard? There may be several possible answers to why the Unitarian Universalist might cross the road. Among them, because that's where they were serving coffee. (laughs) They didn't cross it. They transcended it. Or they only got as far as the middle of the road since they didn't want to take sides. The fact is that we crossed the road for the same reason the chicken did, to get to the other side. People to getting to the other side isn't always simple. People we love die. We grow and change in unexpected ways. We make mistakes and hurt people we care about, and vice versa. We can find ourselves more alone at times than we think we can bear. And yet, there are times when we are overwhelmed by the beauty of this world or by the blessing of unexpected kindness. Getting to the other side is made easier when we choose to travel with others. Life in community isn't always easy, but it's the only place we can practice being human. Finding our way to the other side is less treacherous when we listen and learn from those who have made the trip before and who know something about the route. Jesus, Buddha, Zoroaster, Rumi, Starhawk, Thoreau, Harriet Tubman, Malcolm X, and Harvey Milk. Teachers whose living was and remains a testament to the sacred dimensions of being human. We will reach the other side with fewer regrets and with less baggage if we have found a way to accept each other for who we are, even as we seek to be who we might become. In community, we are reminded of our ideals yet it is also a place to confess our limitations and express our deepest hope. Liberal religion is not easy street, but what we do have to offer is this, a tradition that affirms human dignity, that encourages spiritual growth and discovery, and that is intellectually honest in the face of the complexities of our time. We offer these tools and our companionship so that we might help each other get safely from here to the other side. Degrees of Separation by Gary Kowalski Is the world getting more connected or more fragmented? Facebook, in connection with the University of Milan, recently announced that there were only 4.74 degrees of separation among its 700 million users, which represents 10% of the world's population. That contrasts with the famous six degrees that Yale researcher Stanley Milgram found back in the 1960s. Social media, where to believe, are bringing people closer together. Of course, I have 336 friends on Facebook, most of whom I've never met outside a chat room. My son has 873. So, despite the ballyhoo from Facebook, I have doubts that computers are building the kinds of relationships that count. A study published in the American Sociological Review in 2004 found that a quarter of all Americans say they have no one they can talk to about important matters. And that number had more than doubled from a similar study done 20 years before. Imagine not having a single confidant. It just confirms the thesis of Robert Putnam's book, Bowling Alone, that we're becoming more socially isolated 
even as the world gets more wired. In fact, the phrase online community may be an oxymoron like Amtrak schedule or airline food. <laughs> this past summer, researchers at the University of Wisconsin put teenage girls in stressful situations like solving mental arithmetic problems, meanwhile measuring the girls' levels of cortisol, a biomarker for stress, and oxytocin, a hormone associated with feelings of being and well-being and trust. During the test, that teens were permitted either to text their mothers or to call mom on the phone. It turned out that the phone conversation and the soothing tone of mother's voice lowered stress levels in the girls. Texting had no such effect. This study confirms my own prejudices. Call me retro, but I still prefer chatting with a real live person on the telephone rather than interacting with a voicemail robot. The world has gained in efficiency and cost savings, but lost a dimension that's warm and comforting. It appears that we need an actual human presence, the shelter of each other to feel whole. There's no digital substitute for a hug, a handshake, or a smile. This is one role that religious institutions play in our culture, as well as civic organizations and bowling leagues. Of course, merely attending a church, mosque, or synagogue doesn't automatically mean you feel known and accepted. You still have to do the work of building caring bonds. But at least meaningful relationships are possible in congregations and similar affinity groups in a way that cyberspace just won't allow. How much of the vulgarity of North American culture is due to the fact that we've become a nation of strangers? How much of the incivility in our politics could be traced to the breakdown of respectful person-to-person -person communication? The good news is that the cure for this malady is readily available through everyday acts of kindness, and by reaching out to others in a spirit of helpfulness and cooperation, we can be begin to reweave the fabric of community. Indeed, the mathematical algorithms that measure degrees of separation across the planet show that when we reach out outside our personal comfort zone, for example, to encounter someone from a different race, a different religion, or a different political viewpoint, our actions have a multiplier effect. One person who breaks through ghettos of privilege and prejudice can lower the level of global estrangement much more than you might predict. But perhaps you don't need a university study or mathematical analysis to tell you what the world's religions have affirmed for centuries. The best way to bring our world closer together to lower the degree of separation and strife is the old-fashioned way through charity and compassion, by practicing patience and tolerance and goodwill, turning strangers into friends and enemies into conversation partners, one by one by one. So all this month we've been talking about vision. And a vision statement is a group's north star. 
It should both describe the work that the group does and inspire them to do that work. Vision statement should act as a bonding point and bring a sense of coherence to a group. That's a lot of pressure on one little statement. And even more so for when it's a group like Unitarian Universalists who prize individuality, nonconformity, and personal freedom. So I wonder, is it possible to have one vision that speaks to and for many hearts? Can we find a common ground that's compelling enough for everyone to want to follow and one that includes and inspires people of different cultures, backgrounds, and beliefs? Well, I actually think we can. So I'm going to share one person's ideas about this and then add my own. Julie Stoneberg is the minister at the Unitarian Fellowship of Peterborough, and some of you may have met her about a decade ago when she was the minister at Thunder Bay. And so she attended many of the regional gatherings and events that we had. In her sermon, The Spiritual Practice of Being a Unitarian, Julie talks about being different but the same and about challenging but worthwhile aspirations. She says, Unitarian Universalism is the instrument that we play, yet each of us will play it in a different way, embodying our Unitarian Universalism in our own way. We'll not all practice for the same amount of time or play exactly the same tune or play with the same degree of finesse or passion, and we will express ourselves in singular, recognizable ways, even though we're all playing the same instrument, the same keys, or strings if you prefer. When I first asked myself, what is the spiritual practice of being a Unitarian, the words to a familiar children's chalice lighting came to my mind. You might know it. We light this chalice, the symbol of Unitarian Universalism. We are the church of the open mind. We are the church of the loving hearts. We are the church of the helping hands. For me, to practice being a UU is to have an open mind, a loving heart, and helping hands. That sounds simple, but not one of these three aspirations is easy. In reality, they're nearly impossible to master. They require intentional practice. Before I continue with Julie's words, I'd ask you to keep in mind our own aspirations of our vision statement, to search, learn, connect, and serve. Now back to Julie. She goes on to say, to have an open mind is to be able to search for truth and meaning while always aware of the tension between certitude and curiosity. It's the balance between being receptive to what's new and foreign while at the same time holding on to what is most dear. It is to try to know while the presence of the unknown and the unknowable. Yet in the words of Terry Pratchett, the trouble with having an open mind, of course, is that people insist on coming along and trying to put things in it. <laughs> so, even as we aspire to being open, we still have to do the work of discerning. To practice my Unitarianism, I work at keeping my mind open, but carefully choosing what I put in it. For me, to have a loving heart is to walk in the world open to wonder and mystery. Being open also exposes me to pain and fear, so having a loving heart is letting everything touch me in the most tender places. It is to love others no matter what, as they are. It is to feel compassion for myself, sometimes a great challenge. 
It is to feel a connection with all that is and to recognize that connecting requires that I share of myself, too. To love is to practice forgiveness over and over and over again. Practicing living with a loving heart is to live willing to be transformed by what I encounter. She goes on to say, For me, to be a Unitarian is to practice willing hands, and this means committing and recommitting to use my hands, my abilities, in the service of life. With my hands, my actions, I take responsibility for my part in working for justice, in the creation of a better world, a beloved community. With my hands, I offer support, I offer time, I offer presence. If my open mind and my loving heart are how I encounter and exist in the world, my willing hands are my way to act in the world. This trilogy of open mind, open heart, open hands, while I love it, leaves out one critical aspect of being Unitarian, which for me is the practice of living in community. This is actually a distinguishing facet of who we are, particularly in the context of religion, as expressed since the Reformation. We are a covenantal faith. We know we don't all believe the same things, but we still agree to coexist with each other with respect. We expect to have walked or be walking different paths, but we still hold one another in love. We know we haven't had the same formational experiences, so we strive to welcome and understand each other. We embrace our diverse talents and aptitudes, which actually make it possible for us to co-create and share community in fulsome, whole ways. So for me, to practice my Unitarianism is to keep that covenant front of mind, to welcome all, to respect difference, to affirm the interconnectedness, to seek and work for a just and sustainable world, to walk together in the ways of truth and love. This do we covenant, to walk together. Well, I agree with Julie. Uh, having open minds, open hearts, and helping hands while walking together with others is what UUism is at its best for me. And it's the aspect of connection that is critical. Within ourselves, we look for ways to connect our intent and our actions. We look for ways to connect our lives with the workings of the universe. We look for connection to those around us, both those who are like us and those who are different. And we look to connect with communities with whom we can share our sorrows, celebrate our joys, and widen our understanding. I think this we all have in common. I also think there's something else that we UUs have in common. Sometimes we tend to overthink things. We so love debate and intellectual challenge that we get wrapped up in the thinking and the wordsmithing, and we become a little slow on the actual doing part. So let's start with our own vision statement. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a congregation openly and honestly searching, learning, connecting, and serving. Searching for spiritual meaning in our lives, learning to understand ourselves and others, connecting to build fair, just, caring communities, and serving each other and our communities near and far. I think it's a pretty great statement. I mean, what vision, what practice could our world need more right now? And isn't that a vision? Isn't it a gift that we should be sharing as widely as we possibly can? Yes. 
but it's big. Where do we start? Well, when we adopted the vision in 2016, we also made a list of proposed actions. And that list is in the strategic plan report on our website, if you're curious. And I think we've actually made a lot of progress since then. And the progress, I think, that has been most effective and taken us furthest ahead is where we've taken those steps to connect. We wanted deeper connections between the adults and the children in our congregation, so now we're having the kids in more often for services, for more of the services, and having them lead services for us. We wanted to create connections between people on Sundays, so Brian introduced the community question, and social justice has taken on soup Sundays to make sure those continue and give a venue for warmth and community, which good food always does. We wanted to better connect with the wider community. So the Communications Committee has ramped up our social media presence. Those things are great, and they all help us connect. But could we do more? We know connection is critical to this congregation. It's what brought many of us here and what keeps us coming back. Through the strategic planning exercises and the congregational survey we did two years ago, two messages kept coming back, loud and clear. First, community is key. When asked what the most important aspect of UCE was, the number one answer by a long shot was being part of a community. The top reason for attending a Sunday service was for a sense of belonging. Members and friends of UCE highly value the relationships they've formed and the resulting sense of community and belonging. They're looking for more opportunities to grow and strengthen relationships and they said they want to make it easier for people to find the congregation and their connection within it. They want to enrich their own lives and the lives of others, to ensure that we have robust pastoral care, and to strengthen the relationship between generations. The second message that came back through every facet was that we crave connection. Not only did UCE folks want to connect with each other, they want to see connections between the programs and the Sunday services, between the initiatives within our walls and what happens beyond our walls. We want to feel that we're moving forward as a community with a sense of purpose. So how can we create community and move toward with a common purpose, toward our vision of searching, learning, connecting, and serving together? Well, this is a question that the board's been asking itself over the past few months. And we've come across an idea that kind of lit a spark in all of us. So I want, uh, want to see if that maybe lights a spark in you as well. As part of our board development over the past few months, we've read a book called Fishing Tips, uh, How Curiosity Transformed a Community of Faith. It's by the minister of Hillhurst United Church in Calgary. And the church started with an idea that people are searching for meaning and they want a place to belong. They want a place to question same old, same old doesn't work. Churches need to figure out who they are and what they can do best. So that was their premise. So they tried doing things a little differently and very intentionally and ended up with a reinvigorated church with a sense of purpose and excitement. The first thing they did was get curious. They set themselves out almost as mystery shoppers or spies in their own congregation and they looked at every aspect of their church life, from their values and their vision, to the physical building, to the music and services, right down to how they do meetings. 
And behind the curiosity was always the question, what are the great possibilities? One of the things they got curious about was how welcoming they were. How were they going to make connections if people didn't feel welcome or that there was a place for them in the community? Out of that curiosity and a little spy work on their part, they decided to pursue a concept called radical hospitality. This concept's not only about making a stranger comfortable, but hospitality as a sacred obligation. It means to receive someone, a stranger, with a presence that's not just polite, but to receive them with a revolutionary generosity. It means making every action and space an opening for connection. In the book, the minister recounts a phrase that encapsulates the concept for him, and I kind of like it. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. At Hillhurst United, radical hospitality meant being able to bring your coffee into the service. So we're already ahead of the curve on that one. (laughs) It meant listening in at coffee shops and community league meetings and water cooler conversations to see what people were talking about. What were their challenges? What were their curiosity? What was meaningful to them? And bringing those conversations and those topics and those issues into services. It meant being open to people trying out new roles or letting go of roles that maybe didn't fulfill them anymore. It meant looking at the banners and the pamphlets and the bulletin boards and everything around the church and saying, what message does this really send? Is it who we want to be? And it was something that every single person, no matter how long or short a time they had been with the church, could do. As we've talked about this concept at board meetings, we've realized it's not only something that we could do just, you know, as a nice community, but it's something that's core to realizing our vision. We'll be talking more about this concept and how it might look at UCE. Our experiences and our actions will be different from those at Hillhurst United or any other congregation for that matter. What we'll know, though, is that as our hospitality grows, so will our connections. We will have others with whom we can search and grow in spiritual meaning and who we can learn from. We also know that being radically hospitable speaks directly to our vision of serving each other and our communities near and far. And most critically, it will lead us to connecting, to build fair, just, caring communities. The longing for connection is why we aspire to our vision The deep joy of finding it is what will inspire to keep us reaching for that guiding star. Amen and blessed be. We speak to the God, the goddess, the spirit of life, the eternal. We speak to the mysterious thread that connects to us, us one to the other and to the universe. We speak to the deep wisdom at the center of our beings. We embody the yearning of all people to touch each other more deeply, to hear each other more keenly, to see each other's joys and sorrows as our own and know that we are not alone unless we create solitude for ourselves and even then community awaits us. Out of this yearning we have come to this religious community. May we help each other to proclaim the possibilities we see. 
to create the community we desire, to worship what is worthy in our lives, and to teach the truth as we know it, and to serve with justice in all the ways that we can, to the end that our yearning is assuaged and our lives fulfilled in one another.